test the low hanging fruit because I will give you a quick sugar rush. Mm-hmm. Once you get the quick sugar rush, focus on the experience of the customer. How you test your onboarding process, your other processes. But mm-hmm. that, that's how I would start. And that's how I've done it all my career. You're listening to the Growth Manifesto podcast, a Zoom video series brought to you by Web Profits, where we talk about how to drive business and marketing success. This episode is a discussion with Mariano Favia, Head of Marketing at VinoMofo. We talk about how to use data, personalization, and customer experience to drive extraordinary growth. So let's get into it. Today, we're talking to the Head of Marketing at VinoMofo, um, and his name is Mariano Favia. Um, if you don't know who VinoMofo is, it's a one recommendation site. It's also a subscription site. It's also at our deals site and they've acquired over 500,000 customers in the last seven years, um, which is not a small feat, um, especially in the wine space, right? Because it's not like scaling up like, like other types of industries, right? Like other types of products. Like it's such a, a, a personal, um, uh, a personal thing, right? It's really hard to scale up personal tastes like that. So we're going to talk about that. And we are going to talk a lot about um, kind of how Vino Mofo scaled up. Um, we're going to talk about their 100% happiness guarantee. And we're going to talk about like all the, the tech stuff, which I love as well, the data, uh, personalization, the CRM strategies, and so on. Um, and so on. So look, I'm really looking forward um, to this conversation. So welcome. Yes, yeah, welcome, Thank Mariana. You. That was a great intro, Alex. Thank you. Uh, a little bit build up. That's great. Oh, uh, yeah, you um, know. Well, look, I think I found out about Vinomofo. It must have been five, six years ago. Um, and it like like all of a sudden, it was everywhere. And I just heard about you guys everywhere. And there was something about the name and there were some creative campaigns that were happening. But like all of a sudden, you were just everywhere. Um, I know. So maybe can you quickly start, like, you know, just give us the quick high level of kind of the history? Yeah, uh, fantastic. I'll try to be as sure as I can. Vinomofo is a year company and it completely disrupted the wine industry um, in the country um, and grew quite quickly. It started as a deal site uh, offering wines that no one could offer at the price that we were offering, and it scaled quite quickly. And it scaled quite quickly because of the PR and the amazing management that um, it was at Vinomofo back then, that uh, the founder, Justin Dry, JD, uh, is a, it's, it's a techie geek as well. He loves wine, and he uh, takes care very well of Vinomofo uh, uh, PR. And that's, it did an amazing, it keeps doing an, an incredible job with uh, spreading the word of Vinomofo. And not going to the tech side of things, but when it started as a deal site, uh, it was a private deal site. So you needed to sign up in order to see what deals you were getting introduced to. And that strategy, which now feels crazy, because that cannot happen anymore. Mm-hmm. But that strategy back in the day was very effective and the database grew exponentially. And that's what it allowed 
Vinomorpho to gradually build the database and the customer base. Because once we get the once we did get the email address, it was very easy to target with a specific uh, deal, and that went bananas. And that's how, in a nutshell, how Vinomorpho um, grew and scale. Then uh, competition uh, changes in the market. You see new competitors coming. Um, and obviously, uh, we we encourage competition. Competition makes us better. Um, but it's um, we we noticed that uh, it was it was in a different space than the one that Vinomofo started. So back in 2018-19, we changed a little bit of the focus from a very heavily brand awareness company to a performance brand company, and that's. Um, how I see the future of Vinomorpho um, scaling in in the markets. Um, also, Vinomorpho, going back to the other point, grew a lot with the inter internationally with offices in Singapore and New Zealand, and that also helped the Vinomorpho world. But again, uh, Vinomorpho realized that let's just build the performance now. We have an mm. amazing database of a happy morphos, which that's how we want to call it, a happy morphos. Let's just focus on what we do best, is getting the best deals at the best, best price guarantee um, and be very more effective with the media that we purchase and leverage data um, to construct a sustainable process for the future. Um, and that's how I see Vino Morpho growing. And I personally, I love it. I love Vino. I love data. Um, <laughs> I think I'm in a really great spot, to be honest. Yeah, no, great. And, and, and um, um, we did speak about actually, um, should I have a glass of wine as well? Because I know at Vino Morpho, you're encouraged to have three tastings a day. Like, is that what you said last time? Yeah. Well, uh, back available. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pre-COVID, Pre-COVID, uh, back when we were all working from the office, uh, the office is, how can I explain it? I think the, the, the summary is like a big, awesome bar. And we have a, a bar section, which is um, for uh, wine tasting. And we run, some, could be more than three tastings a day. Sometimes I don't even know um, how many tastings, but there's always wine. There's always one, and it's not my responsibility to test. I'm not the quality um, insurance for, for a quality guy for for to tear the vino, but uh, I was I was very regular on those wine tastings. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to say we encourage drinking, we just encourage tasting good wine, and that's what we it got us to what we want because we only buy and sell wine that we actually love. Um, as in many industries, there are uh, different qualities. Um, and that's what we call Vinomorpho to this amazing retention rate where you know that regardless of, of, the, of your taste, you're going to get good fucking wine. That's mm. what you're going to get with Vinomorpho. And you're going to get for the price that you love, uh, delivery um, as fast as we can <laughs> at this stage. Um, yeah. And uh, an amazing experience uh, with Vino. Yeah, sure. Um, and there's a couple of points I'm going to come back to on that. But I think yeah. the first one which stood out for me um, was 
your 100% happiness uh, guarantee? Yeah. How do um, you guarantee happiness? First exactly. Of all? Well, it's, just, it's, a, it's a promise. It's a promise that we deliver to the customers. And, and that comes to what we call the MOFO value. Um, Alvino MOFO and excuse me, if I probably should have done some research, but I'm pretty sure that we are the only ones in the world that you can return the wine after you open the wine. And if you order a, a box of 12, you can open two wines, say that you didn't like it, and in terms of, and in, in the lapse of 365 days, you can return it and you get the money back. Wow. That is happiness guarantee. That's, That's how serious. we as... More for value with the fungality. And if um, our returns, right? There are returns, of course, there are returns. Of course. But they're not, uh, we don't have many. And we would and just want to have happy morphos. That's what we want, happy morphos. And you've always had the guarantee, or how? Or, or, yeah. Uh, has there been a time where there was no guarantee and then you introduced correct. it? No, no, no. It's always been happiness guarantee. Um, and we deliver the brand promise with the returns, with epic wines and good wine only. That's the combination of the three things uh, is what is building the happiness for our morphos. And then how and do you integrate? Yes. Yeah, because how do you integrate that into your marketing? You know, so where does the happiness guarantee get integrated? Because it feels like you would lead with that, but but I've seen the website and I've seen some of your marketing. You don't really lead with that at the very start. No, 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 no. It's it's more the an invisible promise. Um, you won't see us uh, promoting free returns. I don't think there's any brand that would like to encourage returns, um, but it's an option. It's an option you have. It's an option where you call Vinomofo. When you write an email to Vinomofo, you can return it. And that's a happiness. It's an invisible um, way to delight our customers. It's not, that's how it's embedded. The, that marketing strategy is embedded in, in the way we do stuff at the company. Um, we don't think we are the best. Um, it's, we don't break about our, uh, our value proposal. It's just we leave it. Um, it's an ongoing thing. It's not, it's not a marketing campaign. It's just a, a way to, to live the more for value. So when, cause this is interesting, right? And let's just talk about this part for a second, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, because I understand just what it is, um, to integrate something like that across the company, but a happiness, like to have a happiness type of guarantee, a hundred percent, 365 days where you can open up two bottles of two bottles of 12 bottles and have them and send them back for a full refund. That would be scary for a lot of, of companies, right? Because they'll be thinking of the potential loss, not the gain. But mm-hmm. you know, so what are some of the things that you integrate across the company to ensure that there is happiness? Yeah, correct. Customer service, excellent customer service. We are an excellent SLA level of response. Um, and we have a team which is our wine brokers. Our wine brokers, it's a team inside Vinomofo that ensures your um, experience at Vinomofo is the best as it can be. So you can call Vinomofo. You will be uh, assigned with uh, your personal wine broker that you can call at any time to ask, and you can chat about anything. You don't need to even talk about wine. I will allow them to 
talk about one, but you can talk about anything. <laughs> um, and that's how we have integrated uh, two main areas in the companies um, as part of the marketing strategy. An excellent customer service, an amazing wine broker team, um, because those teams are the ones that are leading us to an amazing retention rates. Again, without much uh, market research, Vinomofo uh, right now has 80 plus NPS score. And that shit is like Tesla level. That mm. shit is Tesla level. <laughs> you don't get many 80, 80 plus NPS. Vinomofo has it. Um, room for improvement? There's obviously the room for improvement. Um, but I'm pretty sure that we do things very well. So, so essentially, the guarantee, it kind of just sits behind the company's operations. But from a marketing perspective, it's not really part of the marketing side of things, no. is it? So what does the marketing then do? Because if that's what the, the operations have to support, right, is that happiness, then how does um, the marketing arm start mm -hmm. that experience? It's from a life cycle perspective, uh, because marketing, it's, it's a lot of things. Um, maybe I'll explain more about how we do the lifetime uh, experience of Vinomorphos. It's the moment that you, from, you sign up, from where you visit, you sign up, and then you get your order. That's how we uh, ensure the operation side of, of happiness. Um, having a discount, uh, a welcome coupon when you sign up, uh, that ensure that that coupon always work. Um, ensure that when after you sign up, you don't get one billion emails selling more wine because you haven't even received your first order. That's that's how you see. Uh, levels of retention going up when you focus on the performance side of things and then you don't hustle the customer. Over, um, I think I was doing a report for, for the big boss and I reported that over the last month compared to the month before, and it was even better than it before, for email we are getting 35% less unsubscribers but also gaining the performance of email. And that's a metric that is also across um, SMS, which is another channel that you can opt out. Our unsubscribers are going down because we don't hustle them. We just don't hustle them. Like we offer them good wine based on what they, they told us about they like about wine. If you bought a Riesling, it's very unlikely that you get a um, a and a Bonarda type of wine. It's very unlikely. It, might be, it depends on the message, but it's very unlikely. If you bought mm. Pinot Gris, you get Pinot Gris. Mm. Um, and that's how we ensure the retentions, right? And the, a good uh, experience from the marketing side to ensure retention and therefore the happiness and more for value. Makes yeah, sense? Right. How it yeah, right. Yeah, 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 no, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, before you talked about you moved from a brand campaign or approach to a performance approach. Mm -hmm. So what changed in your marketing? Um, 
a lot. Um, first, uh, we needed to ensure that our reporting was as dynamic as it can be to, to take the decision as quickly as we need to get the sales events that are correct for that specific time period. I'm going to translate that into more tangible things. We need to get the fucking numbers right. If the numbers were not right, it's impossible to plan. Mm. So that's stage one. Get the numbers right. We got the numbers right. Now, once we got the numbers right, we got the sales events right by creating a specific actions that were leading Binomofo to ensure business goals, new customers, revenue, uh, less unsubscribes, um, increase uh, average order value, whatever it is. We developed those sales events towards specific goals. But those goals needed to be uh, filled by a really dynamic set of reporting. Mm. You, because otherwise you just chuck, ah, just do five bucks off, just do a sale on Shiraz. It, that's not how the way it works. <laughs> that's not how it works. Mm. Um, so that's what I, we, what I mentioned, change from branding to performance. Do all the decisions for our sales funnel leading by bloody numbers and stop with the gut feeling. And, and I'm not saying that was a branding. Branding was more like we, uh, uh, we formed my turn. There was a TV campaign. There's no TV campaign. Um, because there was no set of reporting that could say what's a return ad spend combined within that TV ad. What's yeah. the point of doing a TV ad if you don't have the set of reporting to ensure success? So now we fucking stop the ball. Mm-hmm. We stop the ball. And the first, very first question that I, that I ask is like, is this going to deliver happiness to Amorphos? Yes. Fantastic. Can you measure it? No. Then don't do it. Can this deliver happiness? Yes. Can you measure it? Yes. Do it. Can you measure it? Can you measure it? So then if something is an opportunity which you can't measure, it's a no straight away. It's got to be no for you. Uh, for a performance company, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's very important to have the tool that needed to measure what you're doing. Um, and I probably encourage this to everyone. There, obviously, there are some things that are less tangible than others. But it depends what metric to use to measure the success. One thing is measuring NPS. One measures is another uh, another KPI could be um, sales. Different ways to measure it. Um, and I think most of it's not I think most of the things that we do we measure it. All of it. Uh, it's a very data driven uh, team uh, across the company. Yeah. Right. And so you talk about reporting, right? And to get the numbers right. Yeah. Um, yes. Are you able to talk through about kind of how you report? Like, is it a spreadsheet? Is it like a reporting software? Is it a, a, um, a specific like database that has the like yeah. interface created? Is it? Yes. What is it? Like if you can talk so, about it. Yeah. yeah that's the, uh, without naming, obviously any, 
any partners because uh, I haven't spoken to them about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, our engineering team is bloody awesome. What they ensure is they capture all the information within our, what we call admin, which is our own database. So mm -hmm. I imagine without getting into technical, it's a D3 database, um, host whatever it needs to be host, and we gather all the data. That data has a scheme of, inf of, uh, of a structure that flows into different data visualization software. That data visualization software might not be the, uh, might not be the only source of reporting for, um, for multiple teams. So what we do is build um, apps that can integrate the data visualization with other channels, like for example, SMS, mm -hmm. uh, to build another set of data visualization where we, is my Bible, is the thing that I see when I wake up, is the last thing that I see when I go to bed, which is my Bible. Mm -hmm. And it, this, data, this second data visualization for marketing purposes gathers information from our, it will be our admin, it matches us with, uh, for example, Google Analytics, but Google Analytics also gets information from multiple sources, for example, cost. Mm. So I'm able to measure return on other spend and return on profit real time. Mm. And in every oh. bloody channel. And I, we do it by different, we have macro goals and micro goals. A micro goal, for example, could be bloody sales. A mm -hmm. uh, micro goal um, could be uh, leading people to the cart. So, and we use these micro goals to also optimize our delivery of the ads. Mm -hmm. So it's, and the whole marketing decisions are taken uh, as a holistic point of view, no channel by channel. I'm, for example, I'm never going to say drop Google, increase Facebook. It's just not, it's not the way it works. It's just a, comb it's a combination of channels that will lead into uh, a successful performance. And it's so, yeah, so then, cool. Thank you for sharing that. And but that just gives insight. And that was, I'm sure that's going to be too technical for some of the listeners, but it just shows <laughs> the level that I guess the company is going into to get the data correct, right? And that's what you were talking about I guess at the very start of saying you want to get the data right, assuming you get the numbers right and that you get it and control the data completely. And then you connect with other apps and so on, but all the data is there and it's completely there at real time. Um, Correct. You just said, and this is interesting that you don't just look at one channel and say, this channel is working, this one's stopping, right? How do you approach that in terms of your reporting system? Because this is something that people have been trying to do for a while. It's attribution modeling, right? Mm -hmm. How do you yeah. do it? I've been a mofo. It's kind of like secret recipe, isn't it? Um, uh, well, if you can say, tell us something which is not too secret then, or tell us a secret recipe. I'm sure everyone loves I that mean, part. Yeah, yeah. It's a I lot mean, of work. I don't think it's too secret. It's There's the brand, it, there's it, the stats, it, you know? It, it, look, it's... At the end of the day, it's the statistics. It's, it's the statistics. Mm -hmm. um, the way I work is uh, towards 
a lot of people at the company is agree on one metric that it, in, it's the main metric. And that, for example, could be return on profit. Mm -hmm. That metric, um, it's A. And as long as that metric is always A, you're doing a fucking great job. Mm-hmm. And then you need to be, uh, you need to consider the positives and the negatives from every channel to make it a successful mix. And I'm gonna go, um, for example, using SMS as a customer acquisition probably would be a bit of a silly idea. Now, using SMS as a way to tell the customer that the, the wine is on the way, seems like a great idea. Using Facebook to um, to increase brand awareness within a specific budget, it won't work, it won't work by itself. Uh, asking Google not to um, not to overspend on mobile, and this is just an example. Mm-hmm. Probably, it's a combination of things that you need to consider. It's not just Google. It's not just Facebook. It's not. It's not just this. It's a combination of things. And the most important thing is how once you acquire the customer, what processes are behind to retain those customers to increase your sales. Because you can have a fucking great... Sorry, I'm cursing a lot. No, sorry. it's fine. If you talk normally, curse, um, curse. Curse away. It's okay, fine. cool. Yeah, sorry. That's a, yeah, another mofo thing. Um, <laughs> once you get the... Um, if you get the, a, a great customer acquisition strategy, which is fantastic, and the companies are doing amazing, but if you don't have anything to retain them, what's the fucking point? Hmm. What's the fucking point? Like if you don't if you don't have the tech to offer in our case Shiraz to a Shiraz drinker, what's the point of acquiring a customer? What are you gonna offer? Like a Riesling to a Shiraz drinker, they're gonna return it. And that's a lot of money. So you create custom experiences for different people? Is that what mm-hmm. you do? It's yep. completely automated? Is that what happens? Yep. Yep, and it's what we are, uh, it's leading towards, and it's not, you know, more for, it's I think industry is leading towards uh, uh, almost like a dynamic one-on-one personalization experience. Because now and before and everywhere, you can do personalization, but personalization, um, it's, it's costly um, because of the tools, because of the offer, but there, now there are new technology and uh, you can call it bullshit AI if you want, but that can give you uh, probably what will be the, the right product to that specific user considering similar users to that one. Mm-hmm. And the tech that allows to do that, um, and it's an industry thing. And I don't think it's been a mofo, it's an industry mm. thing. But, um, and so you, you just mentioned AI, but you 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 said it with bullshit AI because it's really just yeah. a bunch of decisions, right? Is that yeah. why you're saying well, that? AI was, I mean, um, AI was always there. I mean, 
I study statistics uh, at secondary school. AI was is, is a bunch of uh, matrix and analyzing how they correlate to a specific to find a specific pattern. Um, that's AI, and they, how AI put that into uh, actionable outcomes. The, uh, it's like a bloody robot. The robot fucking learns to do, spe- or a human learns, mm. um, but it's learning about finding correlations. Oh, the fire equals hot, hot equals bad. Therefore, I'm not going to touch the fucking fire. That is age that's old. Now we have the tools to do that more dynamically. And that's AI. But uh, you can have AI with in, on Excel, like uh, correlation, uh, I don't know the word in English. Uh, oh. Anyway, you can do it in Excel. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't translate for you either. <laughs> no, no. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'll find it. I saw like a recent article in um, um, the CMO magazine. They mm-hmm. talked about how your 360 degree customer view uh, basically helped to get um, the five times increase like in engaged customers and 120 times return on investment. Is this because of the marketing technology which you've just explained? Is this how you've done yeah. it? Or is yeah. there more to it than that? No, no, it's basically that. Um, it's the way we interact to the customer knowing their behavior and trying to anticipate what's going to happen. And I'm going to translate that. Mm. If I know that Alex takes average, and this is an example, don't get me wrong. If Alex takes 10 days to drink and finish his case of wine, I'm pro, I know that. And I'm, pro, I'm probably sure that you will get a next communication from Vinomorpho. How do you know it's 10 days? How do you know? It's a correlation of, um, of multiple da- uh, uh, touch points. Mm-hmm. So it's not Alex. It's a bunch of Alex. <laughs> That's a scary it, thought. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. I don't know you, Alex, but, but yes. No, no, it's all good. It, 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 it is, it, it's the statistics. Mm-hmm. It's how you determine um, it's how you determine an action based on a sample size of the population. Um, and then if you have the tools that allows you to and, and real time tools to tell you that specific outcome, then you know what to do. Offer mm. more wine. And yeah. if you know that what wine is even easier. And that's what I was referring to the 360 customer experience because I integrate customer behavior when uh, you're browsing, when you purchased, how long does it take to repurchase, if you uh, review it or not, if you review it positively or negative, uh, and if you are less likely to purchase or purchase more. That's things like that, mm-hmm. that e-com, e-commerce, that, not even e-commerce, that, that yeah, again, sure. it's old. It's old. Yeah, sure. um, 
And so you can do this because of the size of the because of the size of the database now, right? I like, said so this would be hard in the very beginning to be able to do this predictive analytics. Let's call it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So when do you think is the minimum starting point? You know, so say for example, like if someone's on this the podcast and listening to it, and like this sounds really good. What do you think is the data set required to be start to be starting at this level? The answer is always it depends. <laughs> <laughs> That's a marketer's uh, answer, isn't it? Every marketer. Yeah, What's the CPA going to be? Well, it depends. You know? It depends. Like if you know the answer, just it depends. Are you familiar with A/B testing? I would, mm-hmm. and probably more the people will say yes. Most of the people, yes, yeah. For a result from an A/B test to be statistically significant, it needs to have certain degree of confidence, mm-hmm. and there are calculators that allows you to know what's the optimal sample size of a population based on a confidence ratio. Mm-hmm. Now, you can, move, you can run fucking billions of A-B tests with five people, but it will take you a long time to determine a, a statistical significant outcome. So it depends mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. The more population you have, the less sample size you need, therefore less time you need to make a accurate answer. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it and it's really depending what also is the you the outcome that you want to to analyze. It's not the same as analyzing traffic, that's analyzing sales, because the sample sizes are different. Mm-hmm. The, the population is different. So it really depends. But to your question, if you have more than ten thousand in your database, you can do cool cool stuff. Really? Okay. <laughs> that's a good number. I think so. I, I love so. numbers. I, think, like, I love simplifying things, you know, for people. But I gave you the theory. I gave yeah. you the theory. But the practicality is like if you have 10,000, you can start doing cool shit. If yeah. you have less, uh, probably will take you less, uh, it will take you more time. And I think if the history of Vidom Offer is a living example of it, uh, at the beginning, you can't do A-B testing. You need to go through your bloody uh, gut feel because you can't A-B test. Because you don't have people to A/B test, mm. so you, and that's how you, for example, JD uh, Justin did very well. He knew the market. They know the market, so they know what it works and what doesn't. So that simplifies the learning curve. The re- mm-hmm. So it makes you less dependent of A/B testing. Mm-hmm. Because you, yeah. what do you need A/B test if you know the outcome? If you know the outcome. So then, if someone has ten thousand people on their database, it's very different to five hundred thousand people that are returning every week, right? So, Correct. what would, like, what would be one of the first things which you would do? That cool shit that you were talking about. Yes. What would be some of the things with ten thousand, which is very small, I would say, right, to start with? But what would you do? Um, I peek into the sales. Uh, I see the sales funnel, and I gather what I call the low-hanging fruit. Um, and the low-hanging fruit that will get me to results is experience in the checkout process. So anything that you can do to create a frictionless experience in the checkout processes and you can test it, it will give you a very quick result into your bottom line that you can get Mm -hmm. sales if you improve the checkout. By improving the sales, it will give you enough oxygen to 
test shit on the top funnel. Mm -hmm. And then you can test if red was better than blue or blue was better than green for mm -hmm. a bloody ad. Yeah. I think, and I made that mistake where you test things and then it's like, what the fuck I want to test a dude versus a woman? Like, why? Like, why? Why I want to test, yes, more CTR of the, the woman, whatever it is. But why? It's why? just, is, is this, is this going to talk, uh, is this, do you, do you really believe that having a different character on the ad will lead you to a better conversion rate? Probably it's a combination of things. Mm. And then you need to have a lot of information data to analyze confident, like very accurately if the actual person in the ad will define this, how successful or not. So yeah. to recap, test the low hanging fruit because that will give you a quick sugar mm. rush. Mm -hmm. Once you get the quick sugar rush, focus on the experience of the customer how you test your onboarding process, your other processes. But mm -hmm. that, that's how I would start. And that's how I've done it all my career. Just yeah, focus yeah, on the sure. first, focus on the checkout first, fix it um, or, or test it, whatever. Um, yeah. So just on that point as well, um, that's really interesting. I think everyone who first starts off, you know, with AB testing, they're so excited to just test shit, right? Like test this, test that, test that. And then as you get more experience, you want to know why things are working. <laughs> And what yes. is the thing that we can use for all the marketing, not just for this marketing, not just for this campaign, who cares about the button color, right? You know, mm -hmm. let, let's try to figure out something else. But I think in the beginning, you know, it's so cool. You can test things. So you just want test to test things. everything. Just testing um, the, everything. The tools are ridiculously expensive. Like if you are a startup and then you want to go with these fancy A-B test uh, tools, they're ridiculously expensive. I mean, expensive is it depends, mm -hmm. but they, they, if you if if you just started, it's like you you can't be test because it's hard to yeah. afford that. Exactly. Like uh, if you know more for self, like uh, I think it's a very successful company, and still I make decisions where it's like, no, mate, this is just fucking expensive for us. Yeah. Like in, in our in our maturity level, mm -hmm. like um, I wish so I could be eBay kind of like test <laughs> and learn. Um, tools that they have, but at this stage, it's not affordable. Do you think that eBay just goes, man, I wish I was like Google. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> everyone's yeah. got some FOMO of like, if I had just that yeah. much traffic, I would do this. Exactly. You know? Ex yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just, just quickly on like improving the checkout, 10,000 people probably is not going to get that too many orders. Would you be doing the micro conversion test, like the add to carts and then cart to checkouts. Like, is that how like you would optimize it or will you be going straight for the sale straight away? It depends. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call this podcast episode. It depends. It, it, depends. <laughs> it depends what the pain point that you're trying to resolve. For example, the hypothesis is, if you if you if we reduce the time on checkout is more likely to have more conversion rate for example so therefore if you test an autocomplete on the address field that it makes the address field goes quicker and that um, proves your hypothesis then i would not be executing towards the sale indirectly yes but the micro goal is going to the 
the next stage of the checkout. Mm-hmm. So it depends what the pain, how which pain pool in your in your hypothesis, a hypothesis you are identifying, um, and that's that, that's the most important thing. It's like what the fuck am I trying to resolve mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the A/B test? Um, okay. Okay, I mean, I have so many questions on the checkout, but we could be in here for like hours. So let oh, me just. Oh, hours, hours. <laughs> I mean, there's hours. so many parts. It's really like it's so Shit. geeky to talk about or techy or whatever you want to call it, but I love it because it's psychology. Shit. It's really it's psychology. Like psychology. It's consumer psychology. Yeah, 100%. Right. Like upsell, cross sell, and the checkout. Mm. Might, if, and again, going back to the roots of commerce, if you go to a bloody chemist, there's no, there's obviously there's a reason why they put the uh, the chalkies next to the the, the, the uh, where you going to purchase, and it's obviously the reason why. It just it's there. It's just a, and then you have the person in the service station saying, "Do you want a chocolate? It's two four three, uh, whatever." It's always a reason. Yeah, and that's why I try always to think as well how do I see my improvement into the real life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask because, you a question then, right? Let me ask you a question. Now, this is just a hypothetical that um, you could talk to just in terms of experience or not, right? Um, would you prefer to put an upsell before the purchase is complete or would you prefer to, to put something after the purchase as like an order bump? You, you know what I mean? Because it's like before the purchase, hey, you could buy some wine openers or whatever. Uh, sorry, um, some bottle openers. Or afterwards, hey, just add this button and get this, you know, for half price. What's your preference? Obviously, you named you just named this podcast. It depends. So <laughs> that I'm that going was a joke, to... by the way. It's not going. <laughs> but what yeah. would you start with? Yeah, like if you had to start before you had all the data and all that, would you prefer th- to put it before the order or after the order? I, th- I, th- I just don't want to give names, but there's a very awesome retailer in Australia that does it very fucking smart. And <laughs> what they do is very cheekily great. You have, after you check out, you have 10 sec of 20 seconds or 30 seconds to add shit into your order with a specific discount. And that's fucking shit psychologically great. Because you have, <laughs> they play, it's fantastic because you made the purchase already, but you have, it's, do you remember the, those TV shows where you have 30 seconds to grab everything in the store and then you get it for free? If it gets mm-hmm. that rush, it's like you have 30 seconds to get this at this price. And it makes you feel that you're a fucking smart guy. <laughs> because you have, and that's, that's, that's uh, I think I find it uh, very smart very smart um there obviously there are brand impacts on doing that there are mm-hmm. brands that can do it brands that cannot do it i don't imagine apple doing that mm-hmm. <laughs> um but i think my pref to your question my preference is after that minute after the checkout is fantastic it's glorious glorious you, glorious, because yeah. you just made a, a purchase it's like after fucking research for this bloody wine, I made the purchase. And then you have, in 30 seconds, you need to make another another decision. You've already made a decision. Yeah, good one. 
Good one. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. That's good. Thank you for answering I, that. Thank you. Yeah, thank I don't you for know. that caller example because I haven't seen that, but um, it is really smart, you know, and maybe it, it could get to the next level, right? You've got 20 seconds and it's 50% off. Then you've got 20 more seconds, it's 40% oh. off and you're seeing it change, right? And then yeah, 30 exactly. and then like that would work because like, you'd be like, shit, this is actually changing and you can't go back until you buy again to see it. And that's, um, yeah, I find it yeah, like <clears throat> glorious again. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that, that sneaky thing, sneaky smart. It's like, why I haven't thought about that before. Um, because it, it, it gets me like, um, it, it gets me. I'm a heavy purchaser. Like I, I'm a heavy user. It's, mm. it's for, I imagine for you as well. Like it's very hard yeah. to trick you with, uh, with some techniques. Mm. Uh, because you are heavy user, you're with you. This is how you live um, your life. Yes. Um, but when there's something that it uh, gets me, I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, nice, done. nice, nice, nice. Well, yeah. nice, well done, nice, well done, well done, well done, well done. Cool. So, cool. So we've spoken a lot about kind of what happens after their customers acquired in some way, right? So, how does your acquisition team? now connect with all of the data, right? Because there's obviously going to be some people that are, that are running Facebook ads, search ads, they're doing email marketing, that are doing the thing before you've got the person connected, right? As soon as you got their email, you got them. Like, and some of the cookie data as well, before yeah. that point. But how do you test things or, yeah. I knew yeah, this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for like how retention drives acquisition, and and excuse me, that is my dog. Uh, that's fine, by the way. I mean, yeah, no. yeah, we're pet friendly company as well. I mean, everyone's at home now as well, regardless. But it's all good. <laughs> um, so what we've done is we grab um, a specific period and we analyze it the first purchasers of a group of users. And we notice what were they buying as, uh, as for the first purchase. And we didn't, Australians love Shiraz. We thought it was like, nah, just fucking offer Shiraz. Yeah. I love Shiraz. Gut, yes. Especially from the Barossa. For the Barossa, exactly. That's, the, that's a gut feeling decision. But what we realized is first purchasers, they were buying mixed cases. That's random. Because people are trying to test Vinomofo. Oh. They're trying, they're new customers. So what we did is start creating sales events toward mixed cases. Mm-hmm. And that's Robbie. And, <laughs> and, that's, and that's how we increased how we leverage our retention information data for acquisition strategies. What do they buy? If that's what they buy, just expose it more. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's an example. But so you then also will know because of all of um, the database information and so on, mm-hmm. the demographics, mm-hmm. the right. geographics, and maybe also um, some psychographics, right? Like 
you can potentially predict what somebody might like or what are some of their interests. Is that right? Like, and you will put that then kind of like into the targeting, uh, like except like for Google search is easy, right? Cause they search for Shiraz, you pop up for Shiraz. There's not too much involved in that. There is probably some sophisticated stuff that you could do with search retargeting, but I'm assuming yeah. it's harder in terms of the social ads. And I would assume that is the growth the driver, right? Cause you can put stuff in front of people. Is that correct or incorrect as an assumption? It's partially correct. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> it depends on the cohort. Um, great question. To do proper advertising, you need to know the tools and the way Google and Facebook, for example, and other tools, they grab information to deliver your ads. And they are tools that require a lot of data points to successfully deliver the right ad to the right person. If you go very specific, you're giving less information to the, this AI algorithm from the advertisers to deliver a, a great to deliver a great conversion rate. And then what you're doing at the end, it's, and probably people are familiar with Facebook, it's Facebook telling you that your ad set reach, um, as, well, we cannot learn anymore. And you need to increase the size of your audience. Mm -hmm. Because Facebook needs more data. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a tricky one. So, and everyone can do it differently. Um, and it's, it's open. Um, I don't have the answer, obviously. So do you specific. do programmatic there? Like, is that the big thing there? Like, is thing purchased programmatically? Or can you not say? Or is... <laughs> I mean, um... It feels like, based on everything I've heard so far, programmatic purchasing of ads with all the data, yeah. that, that it seems like that would almost be like a match in heaven, kind of. Not really. Maybe uh, not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, yeah it, it, it all depends the uh, the um, what you're offering. Like you can, I can say, uh, uh, you can be thirsty right now. You want a beverage. I can offer you, and I I, I have Mariano one, Mariano two. Mariano A offers you water. Mariano B offers you a Coca Cola. Mm -hmm. You have your preferences. Both did amazing advertising by offering you something to drink because you know, they know they're thirsty. But then this depends on the offer, the product, mm -hmm. uh, and a bunch of things. So, um, programmatic, it's bloody amazing, uh, but it's not the only thing that will give you a, a good conversion rate, I guess. It's a combination of things. Um, for us, uh, because of our industry, mm. uh, where there's a lot of people that like wine, mm -hmm. we go with a volume game mm -hmm. for, um, and we don't we don't go with specifics. We do certain exclusions. Obviously, we are we don't offer um, wine first. It's illegal to someone that's underage. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't do that, um, and no no one should do that. By the way. Uh, but we, for example, in terms of the, social, the, the um, age group, probably it's very unlikely to think that someone from uni will purchase a $300 worth of wine. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, I do those uh, exclusions or inclusions. Got it. So you're but, uh, top of the funnel is wide. It's yeah, like, like it's wide at the top. You just yeah. want to get their email, and then once you got their email, then you've got lots of other things into the place. If you can get the like, like course, course, are you going straight for the sale straight away? Like no, no, exactly right. No, never. Approach. Correct. So yeah, I go with, and that's why I leverage the benefit, the the good things about each tools. To, uh, Facebook is fantastic for reach, for example, but probably for the right response is not as good as other tools. And that's fine. That's fine. That's that's totally fine. But and that's how I see the, my holistic uh, marketing mix working together. One gives me good tra uh, traffic, eyeballs, relevant eyeballs, but maybe too early in their customer journey. So then I, they need another set of ads or another email, whatever it is, mm -hmm. to make them from a desire to actually convert mm -hmm. so it's and that's but the metric that tells me that in my case is return on profit so that tells me how much can i spend on the return on, on profit on, yeah return on profit is fantastic. as well it's real yes. time too. Yeah. yeah and uh if if jd will listen to the book he will be like my boy my boy he learned <laughs> very very good mariano um this has been a really good chat. I've got some quick fire questions that I like to ask everybody at the end of the podcast. Yeah. There's nothing awesome. too crazy. Um, just some simple mm -hmm. things that will give some additional kind of information. People that are listening. Yeah. So yeah. you ready for mm -hmm. it? Yes. It if depends. You, yeah, yeah. If you had to use just one channel or tactic for growth, then what would it be? Um, focus on recommendation from my existing customers. Okay. That's a good one. Ask what book has had the biggest impact on your success? Well, you're implying that I had success. Uh, that's fantastic. Well, Thank you. I mean, this conversation isn't with like a junior, a beginner. You're like, <laughs> you're running a pretty complex, you know, marketing team. Yeah. And strategy. I there's no, and this is probably again from my background, there's no um, book, but um, I, there's uh, um, ADMA uh, runs is really good courses and uh, mini MBAs of marketing. They're very fucking great. Um, okay. So probably should get commission on this, but <laughs> they that actually uh, inspire me a lot. And also um, talking to customers or, or, or people that knows the, the industry more than myself. That is my real learning because technicalities kind of like, I kind of know them, mm -hmm. but learning how to interpret, how to use those technicalities for, for the eyes of customers. It's uh, mm. asking questions all the time. We at the video Mofo, we are doing more surveys more than ever. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm, we're learning. We're learning. Okay, cool. Oh. What's your number? Cool. So, what's your number one uh, piece of advice to hire awesome people? I would say for our industry and knowing what we are going, I would will try to assimilate and learn how these people, how this candidate, will interpret and associate data for a specific outcome. My piece of advice is 
try to identify, define an, um, a use case that requires a lot of data points and make the kind of think how they connect the data points. Because mm-hmm. this creative thinking and connecting dots, it's some across skill for any shade that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, advertising, engineering, uh, a- anything, association of things. Um, and Python. Python. If you know Python, that would be a, uh, a plus. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, cool. So how do you relax after a crazy day in the office? I mean, so you're in Melbourne, so I don't know how you relax in general now. But yeah, how do you relax after a crazy day in the office? They, uh, uh, walking this guy uh, for an hour or two hours. Yeah, that's great. how is my he is my down to earth guy. Yeah, um, that's perfect. Yeah, uh, and uh, if it's Friday, I put not encouraging this at all, but I might put some wine in my coffee cup and go for a walk. <laughs> that's nice. Um, of course, what's your best productivity or Time management tip, your best productivity or time management tip? You need to identify champions within a specific teams that you can rely. And those are the champions that will, they understand you the best and they will spread your message the best. But everyone should be across the macro plan at least once a week. And i leave an example for that is at Vinomofo we have a macro sales plan where the whole company knows it. The whole company knows it. Everyone has access. It's self-serve. But also, uh, every Monday, we do a reminder. Every Wednesday, we recap of what, what we did, what we are doing, and what we are going to do. And it's my duty to report the outcomes to everyone in the team mm-hmm. uh, for my specific area and every head should do that. So um, there's no tool that, um, that I specifically use. I don't use uh, anyone. Um, we, it's more about uh, connect with the, with the team kind of like real all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And of course, what's, um, the best uh, piece of advice uh, in business that you've received? Best piece of advice in business that you've received? Um, I think it's from my very first post uh, when working at Dell. Mm-hmm. He told me that there are two type of employees. Then uh, they, they have people that uh, they need to be told what to do and they're donkeys with a lot of initiative. And he said that I was a donkey with initiative. And he said to me that, uh, and this is, this is the best piece of that. He told me like, Mariano, you have great skills. Think before you talk. Think, analyze before you make a rush decision. Because nothing comes great after a rush decision and i can relate into my you can relate to your personal life as well or your or your business life nothing comes great after a rush decision 
and he was very clear to me that Mariano, great skills, fantastic initiative. Now sit down and think what you just said and come back to me later. Yeah, look, I just on that one as well. Um, it seems that thinking is the thing that's hardest to do, to stop yeah. and think, you know, but that's a great one. And last one, uh, how do you have fun? Uh, how do I have fun? Very easy. Um, yeah, so I just moved to a new house, which is 120 meters from my baseball field. And now in it was a little bit harder, but um, I do play baseball a lot. And I'm a barbecue enthusiastic. Uh, my Ooh. background is Argentinian. Oh. And yes, and I've been testing new ways to cook meat. And trust me, I get very excited with meat. Uh, how to I cook mean, it, Argentinians so. can grill, that's for sure. I know there's restaurants. Man, yeah, like. yeah, that's uh, probably the, the one thing that we can fail. Or we could fail, I mean. Yeah, it so, depends. So just, yeah, it depends. Hey, quick one. Um, what's the wine from Argentina called? Is that like Malbec? Is is that Malbec, Malbec, which is actually not Argentinian. It's actually French. Oh, is it? I thought it was, yeah. oh, it's, it's the popular one in Argentina though, is it? Yes, correct. So it's both in Argentina and Chile. They're okay, very good so grapes in both countries. So how does it, and this is just, this is kind of the bonus question, let's call it, right? <laughs> um, Shiraz or Malbec, you know, so what's the preference now that you've been in Australia for a bit? You probably, like, I'm sure you've had a lot of Malbec in your life. Like, like, I but think how it's do you very, compare it? Yeah, well, it's, they are, it depends on the on the situation. But um, if I have to choose one, and uh, my dad would not be very proud, but I think nothing beats a good uh, Shiraz from Barossa. Barossa, I know. Yeah, nah. I love it so much too. Um, it's, now I'm it's actually really thirsty. I wish I had one here now. Um, but Mariano, uh, which one do you have? Uh, I got now a Vino Mofo collaboration. Why? It's a Sangiovese. It's called Gusto Mama. It's, yeah. uh, it's, I think it's, um, if the head of buying listens to this, he will be like, what? Um, but it is my top, top choice for Vino Mofo. It just okay. never goes wrong. And Sangiovese could go well with a pizza, could go well with uh, pork, meat. Sangiovese, for me, is my personal opinion is a more flexible, one of the most uh, flexible um, type of grapes. So. Okay, great. Now for um, the wine lovers on the podcast right now, like what would you like them to do? Come to the vinomofo.com website and what? Subscribe or get Ooh. a discount voucher or check out the blog. Like what would you want if someone's now saying, I'm going to check out this vinomofo because I haven't heard of you for some reason, what should mm -hmm. they do? What's the first thing that you'd like them to do? I would like them to go to the website, browse, write me an email, mariano.fabia at vinomofo.com and tell me why they didn't like about the website. Okay. And they, yeah, and you can do that on LinkedIn or email, whatever. And I will do my best to reward that, uh, there to reward that uh, with a discount or whatever they they want and that is 100% happiness guarantee <laughs> that's so great this has been a really a really interesting podcast to really get into the tech side of marketing and to really understand how you can scale up at a whole other level if you can get the data right but it's no easy feat 
but, but it's been such a fantastic chat. Um, thank you so much, Mariana, for coming on the podcast. Um, I'm super interested now in subscribing and speaking to some of the wine brokers on the Vino Mofo site. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such a great conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alice. Thanks for listening to the Growth Manifesto podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. For more episodes, please visit growthmanifesto.com forward slash podcast.